Welcome to the Green Machine Podcast, another episode of our boys in green. As we see how all the guys and the girls got on over the weekend for their clubs. And we also bring you the latest Irish football news. Now, full disclosure, Martin and I are sick. So this is probably going to be the most downbeat episode we've ever done. And that says a lot, Martin. That says a lot. (laughs) It does. Just to clarify, we're sick in an illness way, not sick like Dave's sick. Oh, that that's that's what I meant, Martin. So, Martin, All right. so we 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 both have um, we both have kind of bluey, coldy bits and pieces, and David just abandoned us. So, if yeah. if, if the quality of tonight's show is poor, you need to send all your hate tweets to landsendroad.ie. What's what's Dave's uh, What's Dave's Twitter handle? Old Lansdowne Road. David Dunn of Lansdowne Road. Yeah, was it? Yeah, so so send your send your hate tweets to yeah. David Dunn if you're very unsatisfied with the the energy levels tonight. <laughs> we are we are fairly fairly bollocks though to be fair, but we'll we'll see how we get on. We'll see how we get on. So what we'll do is not a huge amount to update people on, but we do have a little bit of a discussion regarding a certain player who might be on the periphery of the Ireland squad. So I'm going to run through it as always. So we'll run through the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and strikers just with some of the key stats. We won't get through absolutely everybody because I'll probably collapse. Uh, but but a few things of note and a, a few little players worth discussing. And um, of course, the, the great Franco Farrell, former Manchester United manager, passed away today. So we're going to have a little chat about Frank, um, who of course was the only Irish man to manage Manchester United. So starting off with the goalkeeper, so the... The main kind of, uh, I suppose, goalkeeper of note. So Megan Walsh, Irish women's goalkeeper. So a clean sheet in Brighton's 1-0 win over Aston Villa. Another women, women's player. So Diane Caldwell, uh, a clean sheet for Manchester United in the 4-0 win over Leicester City. You're going on a Zoom call with Diane right after this, Martin, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, she's doing something with, um, I forget who's doing it with, but yeah, I'll have some feedback from it for a, a future episode. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's just... Supposed to be quite good. I think it'd be interesting to see how she's how she's getting on at Man United. Um, and again, it's, it's again. I think it just um, shows where the profile of women's football is. Really, um, I'm a lot more interested in it now. There's some great, was, so. yeah, some great pictures of her a couple of weeks ago, just outside Old Trafford as a as a young girl. You yeah, know, and it was kind of like you know, dream dreams becoming reality stuff. She's a great great girl. Though. I think she's from Balbriggan, not too far from myself. So um, you know, fair play to her. She was over in the states for a while. Really, really important player for the women's national team as well. So moving on to a couple of more defenders, Joel Bagan. So, of course, he has three goals in five games, but he got an assist for Cardiff City. So they beat Jimmy or Jimmy Dunn's uh, QPR 2-1. Dan McNamara, another player who's been kind of tipped for a senior call-up. But, I mean, the, I suppose the the um, emergence of Fessy Obazelli. He's probably going to have something to say about that. And also Taylor Gardner-Hickman, who was who was excellent for West Brom against Hull the other day. So another another right back. I think he played midfield for West Brom over the weekend. But, but Dan McNamara getting a clean sheet for Millwall in their 1-0 win against Reading. So uh, another w- women's player, um, Lucy Quinn. So, of course, she scored in the in the recent international, didn't she? So mm. um, two, uh, sorry, one goal in uh, Birmingham City's 2-1 loss to the Arsenal women's, of course, Katie McCabe playing for the Arsenal women. And then we moved to Australia. Jay O'Shea, one assist for Brisbane Roar in their 2-1 loss to Central Coast Mariners. Josh Cullen, another clean sheet for Anderlecht against Ustende. Cullen, a few stats came out about Cullen um, 
midweek, Martin, and he's he's got some of the highest percentages. Now I know like we're we're not mad into stats or percentages or anything like that, but but his kind of pass completion rate and his tackles, uh, successful tackles, he he's one of the top midfielders in uh, in Europe at this stage uh, statistically. Now I know you have to contextualize it and you have to say, look, it's the Belgian league, but I put out a post there during the week and I said this kind of form because I mean Anderlecht were you know they they gone off the grid for years and years and years. I think they're about five points off second, and then that newly promoted team, um, Sandtrund or something, they're they're running away with the title, which is which is a story in itself. But you know that kind that kind of form you see it in tabloids and you see it in kind of the the transfer columns, like players that produce those kind of stats. They get linked to really big clubs, don't they, Martin? And they do, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. Look where do you think he is? Where, yeah, where do you think he is at the moment? Like, do you think he's better off staying with Anderlecht? I personally think he is, but do you, do you think he's going to start attracting a bit of interest from from bigger clubs? Some people are saying maybe some of the bigger Dutch teams might start looking at him. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll attract a lot of interest. Um, and the fact is, again, he's a little bit like um, kind of a Matt Holland Kilban. He, he doesn't miss a lot of games, so that that's quite rare now. Um, yeah. You know, he doesn't seem to get rotated too much. He had that incredible record, didn't he, of playing consecutive games and things. So, um, look, brilliant for us, brilliant for him. Um, and, it, and I think it's kind of inspiration to other players who, you know, may perhaps are struggling in clubs in England and thought, I'm going to take a risk, go over to another country. He's settled in there. He's probably the first player on their team sheet now and he's he's doing the business. And when he comes back for us, he's just going to be match fit, ready to go. Undroppable, basically. He's probably the first name on our starting lineup now. I, th- I think. I was just about to ask: you, Is he our best player at present? He probably is. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's the most consistently played, isn't he? So, um, and you know, his reputation. I mean, you just think when we're playing or they're doing previews around, you know, European football, he'd be familiar to a lot of people now um, as an island player, basically, and saying, "Yeah, this guy plays around elect and he scores. You know, he he plays every minute. He he's going to be the one most familiar with people." Absolutely. So, um, kind of moving on to Derby, and I suppose there are two defenders that we kind of skip by. So, Fessy Obazelli and Aaron Cashin. So, clean sheets for the two lads in Derby's 2-0 win over Barnsley. So, Cashin is a guy who's kind of getting a lot of attention at the moment, Martin, isn't he? So, left-footed centre-half, not the tallest guy. I think he's only five foot ten, but he's he's getting man of the match performances and I think, two of the last five or something like that. So, he's an excellent prospect. <clears throat> It's unfortunate yeah, he's, he's a centre half though, isn't it? But yeah, both for choice. Yeah, excellent. No, I mean it's brilliant again for him. I mean, to be honest, he's come out of nowhere for me. I didn't really know too much about him, but um, yeah, again, you know, he's, he's just going to be other player now, raising his profile. He's he's going to be on the radar of Stephen Kenny, isn't he? So um, really good to see. I seen uh, Jason Knight started on the bench. Um, did come on for Ravel Morrison, who's another player. I know he's not Irish, but like he's really just yeah. rejuvenated his career there, hasn't he? He scored a great goal there at the weekend. Yeah, great um, goal. Fessy said, no, Fessy didn't set it up. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up there. No, it was an excellent goal. Excellent team goal. Great name, by the way, Aaron Cashin. Very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the forwards. Uh, well, actually, this is a midfielder, Megan Connolly, another Brighton player. So, of course, um, teammate of Megan Walsh. So uh, Connolly getting, getting one assist in that 1-0 win for Brighton over the Aston Villa women's team. Now moving on to the fours. So the first one to mention before we open up a bit of a broader discussion. So Will Keane, another goal for Will Keane. I think that's his 17th this season. Uh, the 1-0 win for Wigan over AFC Wimbledon. If you look at Keane, 
Martin, and of course, you're you're a United fan, and I think a lot of people think he's this journeyman striker, but I've made this comparison a few times. If you actually watch him, he plays very, very deep. He reminds me kind of of, of a Dave McGoldrick kind of player, you know, very, very quick feet, very, very skillful, very, very creative, but he's weighing in with a lot of goals this season. Like, he's surely going to get a good twist in these two games yeah, at, at the end of the month. Yeah, he's, he'll be definitely in his squad. He's, he's the one who's scoring the goals at the moment for us, and I think he'll be the one that will definitely stay in the squad. He'll give him a game, definitely, against Lithuania, especially. I think I'd expect him to start against that, to be honest. I think you've got to reward players who are who are doing probably what he challenged them when they last met up as a, on, on a camp, and he probably told them, go away now, play for your clubs, score goals if you're a forward, keep in my mind. That's what he's done. Um, he, he has had a really good link up as well with McLean. Yeah, uh, I know. I think he must have been suspended, wasn't he, over there? Yeah, the, 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 the tussle. Uh, yeah. the, the tussle, which was quite funny, I thought, actually. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, he's going to be in the squad. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how he how he gets on, to be honest, because look, it's an opportunity for him, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, Adam Ida's injured, isn't he? So yeah, he, he's probably the most obvious person to come in because like Troy Parrott, like Keane, is playing a little bit deeper. It's, uh, I know we hate using those kind of FIFA terms, but false nines, like, I mean, Keane and Parrott are probably, well, maybe not Keane, but Parrott's going to transition into that kind of false nine, isn't he? That kind of Firmino role. Yeah. Um, Keane is of the same kind of ilk. As I said, like if I was to compare him to a player, even in terms of the age, he's come into the international team or into the international game. Um, he's very like Dave McGoldrick, just in terms of his feet. Very, very creative, but he gets into the box as well. And I mean, in terms of Stephen Kenny's shape, I mean, he's kind of alternated from playing two up top, hasn't he? In the kind yeah. of 3 5 2 or, or 3 4 3. So if I'd has gone. You know, he, he maybe he's going to come in. I mean, on on logic, he's probably the most obvious player to come in. Um, even though they're just friendlies, he might want, he might want to have a little look at him. He did well against Portugal, didn't he? The the, the game that we sat beside each other at actually. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think I think we we said how weird it was to see a Keane coming on onto the pitch, yeah. <laughs> especially next Manchester United Keane as well. But he he nearly he set up to disallow goal, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So no, fair play to him. You know, he's like he, I know it's League One, but Scoring goals, that's it. That's what you got to do. Put the ball in the net, and you know, um, not to go off on a tangent, but look at the record of Mitrovic. You know, yeah. he, he's breaking all sorts of records in the championship. Um, and some players they find their levels and score goals. But if you then go into a team where you're gonna, if you're playing at that level and you've got the confidence of scoring, if you go in and playing with better players who are going to be putting service in you more, you're going to still score goals. That natural instinct's there. So, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, a great, great player, Will Keane, having a great season. Of course, James McLean uh, assisting a good few of those goals that he scored this season. Now, another striker, and I think this is this is probably going to be our main body of discussion, but Michael Obafemi, um, a player that you're not too keen on, Martin, but two goals and an assist over the weekend. He is hitting a bit of form, isn't he? Like, he is coming into himself this side of Christmas. Yeah, and it'll be kind of a revision here with me, to be honest. I, I'd like to... <laughs> Send your hate uh, tweets think... to Lansdowne Road. <laughs> Yeah, um, this is what I wanted him to see him do. Um, you know, fair play scored the goal a few weeks ago, didn't he? And he had this like, you know, the light-hearted interview where he was all over social media because of it. Yeah. And uh, in the words of um, Roy Keane, quite childish, I thought. But uh, 
anyway, that seems to be the buzzword now in, in <laughs> when you're analysing anything. But um, yeah. look, really good goals, and that's what I want to see him do. That, that's what he's promised for many, many years. I'd like to see him now, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, players on social media. You know, like, for example, as a Man United fan, you're hearing them all come out today apologising and we go again and all that rubbish. Absolutely it's bollocks, just yeah. bluff. Um, yeah. But I would like to see Obafemi come out with, or something be kind of asked of him to get a reaction from him to say, oh, do you think you're kind of in contention now for an Ireland call-up or what's your views on your future with Ireland? Because I think he's still eligible for other countries, isn't he? He can still move. I know he's played yeah. cap, but I think that, that rule's come in now that he can he can move. I, I'd like to see him give an opportunity, basically, but I'd like to hear from him. Um, I think the question's got to be asked because I think what could happen in the next few weeks if he scores again, for example, when he's on the periphery of the kind of in line for a call up is I just I don't want anything kind of clouding the squad announcement that people are calling for him. And then it will actually turn out. I don't want it to be a PR disaster. I don't want it to be yeah. like, look, he's not actually wanting to entertain playing for Ireland anymore. This, that ship sailed. He's he's moved on. There's been a falling out. I don't want that distracting from where we are. I think that's what Stephen Kenny won't need. Um, and I'd, I'd like to hear him turn around and go, you look, I. I see myself Irish. I want to play for Ireland. Um, I, I've been capped once or twice or wherever it is. And, and this is my future with Ireland. And that's what I'm working hard to do. And if Stephen Kenny deems it to, to pick me, all, all very, very good. I'm, I'm quite happy to join up and take my opportunity and work hard. That's what I want to see from him. Yeah, then everyone's going to get that. Yeah, but, no, I've watched quite a bit of Swansea recently because there, there's so much Irish interest because you've, you've Cyrus Christie there. He scored kind of last yeah. week, didn't he, against West Brom. He's having a good loan. Um, yeah. Ryan Manning, I was very impressed with actually, you know, excellent. Like he was playing kind of on the, the left hand side of a back three and he was alternating between there and wing back. It was it was very unusual because, I mean, I remember him playing kind of as a number 10 for, for the 21s. But, you know, he's kind of found his groove under under Russell Martin. But Obafemi's movement, like it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, the way he holds his runs, he he's just always a threat. Like he's so he's so um He's so powerful, such a powerful runner. I think he's only about five foot seven or so, like, but he's so yeah. quick. And if you look at his movement, not just for the goals, but but in that whole game um, against Coventry, because you know we kind of watched some extended clips and so on. Then the West Brom game last week, like he he's so lively looking, and you can see him holding this run. You can see him looking for the ball. You can see him screaming for it. And I'm almost thinking like we don't really have anybody like that. And when it comes to Ireland. Stephen Kenny, I know we played a few games from at the at under twenty one level. I think we played. I think it was Iceland away. It was really really windy, and I don't think he was great in that game. And and I, I don't know if that was the moment that Kenny said, "Well, this guy isn't really for me." But if you look at the way Kenny plays, Adam Ida, he's he's six foot three, but he's not used as a target man, or he's not used as the big man up top to knock a four to. Ida is used as a runner. He runs in the channels. He runs yeah. in between. And that is exactly what Obafemi can do, except probably a little bit better. Um, like Ida brings his own talents, doesn't he? Like he's 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 good. Um, he's good in the ground as opposed to the air for his size. Like he's full of pace. Yeah, and he's a very good natural finisher, as as we've seen kind of in recent weeks, and as we've seen at under twenty one level. But if you look at Obafemi, if if Kenny like didn't he have quotes a couple of years ago saying, "Oh, Obafemi doesn't quite suit our style, but he's still available." Um, he surely fits the bill and he's surely a decent fit for what Stephen Kenny is trying to do because playing you know 
um, playing it on the ground, getting in behind. Because if you look at the way that he ties his runs and if you look at his movement, it's so unpredictable and it's so terrifying, like his pace. Like the, the first goal against Swansea, or sorry, against Coventry, like you just look at the way he times that run and the pace he has just to get in in behind and even just to get there ahead of the keeper. Like it's it's a phenomenal goal. And the yeah. two finishes as well, like his, his finishing is excellent. And I look at that squad and I know Michael Keane's hitting a bit of form, but I, I don't really see any other strikers in that squad with the same finishing ability. Like I know um I know Collins, Jesus, what's his first James Collins. James Collins, yeah. I, I, I know Collins, um like I know for, for us he's he's looked like a bit of a lump, but he he is he has got that kind of instinctiveness, hasn't he, where he knows where to be in the box. But we haven't really seen that from him at international level. So surely Obafemi is is that something different that, that we are lacking. I, I agree. I agree with you. I think he, and I, and I hope this is where it's gonna kind of work out for him. I th- I'd like to see him again in an Ireland shirt. Basically, I'd like to see him force his way into that squad and into the reckoning and be given a chance. Um, <clears throat> but that's going to be down to a lot of his attitude as well. And I, I mean, I had dismissed him. I'll be honest, and um, because I, I, it just frightened. It, it just worried me. I didn't think he'd settled down as a footballer. Basically, he just looked like a sprinter. He was like one of them, like a. You know, an Olympic athlete sprinter yeah, who just huge, but pacey. huge, bulky. That's it. Like, and now this is what I wanted to see. I actually wanted to see him play football, make those runs, get the ball given to him, um, and then look, see the finished product. And that's what he did the other day. Now I know we get carried away. We want players to do well and stuff, and that's only one game, but. Again, if he's got to kick on now and do that again, he's got to go on a run now and get another goal or two, and then yeah. you're because you can do all the stats reviews then in in advance of the squad, and it's like who's in actual form? Like Will Keane obviously is, Troy Parrott. Okay, he's not scoring, but he's we know what he's doing assist wise and playing well. Um, so that that's where he's got to come from in a way. We want to look at him as who's our strike, who's he in competition for with for the striking roles. And who who's playing and what they're doing? Like so, we've got obviously Callum Robinson. I've seen uh, Chris Wilder come out today about Aaron Connolly. Said he's actually has got a really good attitude because I think there was a few kind yeah. of rumours going around works. that he hadn't settled, and um, so he's dismissed that. He'd, he'd be mad not to come out and be positive about him anyway. Um, but you know that that's the competition with Adam Ida out. Um, you know James Collins is there obviously as well. So we we want to see them. I want to see Abafemi do well and go and kick on now, and, and but make sure it, it's for the positives now that we're we're hearing him being mentioned as a kind of person that possibly could be in the squad here. Good opportunity for him as well, you know. Absolutely. That's it. So he's got to take that now and show. I want to be a footballer. I want to play for Ireland. That's what I want to hear him come out with. And I really, I'd be really disappointed now if it's the hype is all about, you know, that if he's not included. Yeah. Do you, do you think? Do you think he could become our next saga, like our next selection saga? Like we, we yeah, yeah. You that's know, what we, I don't we, want it to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't. He can't look. Look, he's done it twice the other day. He, he, I don't think he can feel aggrieved if he's not in the squad. And I think if he's not in it, I don't want to hear him go on about that. He's not in it. Do you know that yeah. that wouldn't endear him to me? Basically, he probably but, should be in it though. Like I mean, yeah, I do. I, 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 I injured. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But, um, he, he just seemed, I mean, as I said, like, Ida, big lump of a man, but extremely quick. And I think that is your like-for-like replacement. So even though Michael Obafemi is a lot smaller and he's he's probably a different shape and he's probably that bit pacier, he, he's, I think he's just that perfect fit because 
you know, if you have, um, if you imagine Ogbene and Robinson playing off him, yeah, like that is a frightening front three. Or even if you had Robinson and Obafemi up front and a midfield three, like that, that is frightening. Yeah, like that, that's some amount of pace. If you were to look at, say, like Martin, a few years ago, we had this plethora of young wonder kids strikers coming through. So Troy Parrott, Adam Ida, Aaron Conley, Michael Obafemi. Like, where would you rank them this season? I know Adam Adam Ida's injured now and you know he's going to miss the season but when he was given a run he, he impressed um, where would you kind of rank them uh, in terms of their seasons because they've had very very different seasons but they're all around the same age group and, and they're all considered our our next line of wonder kid strikers yeah it's a strange one because we, we've spoken on this before with Troy Parrott that people think oh he's not you know you're not he's seeing the headline you're not seeing that he's scored a goal and stuff yeah. but he's playing a very different role he's doing quite well um you know, for me, look, he's got the two goals. Conley got the lone move. It's not really worked out so far. He needs a goal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's it. You know, that's what we need to see the players doing. Um, and and again, I think look, when come come the end of March, we'll have the squad announced. Robinson will start against Belgium if he's fit. He has yeah. to. Um, and it's fitting in around that basically. I, I'd probably expect Benet to start as well what he's done in the last few games for us so it'll be interesting to see you know there's a lot of opportunities though for this because we've got these two games you know if you're called up in this squad I'd like to think you're going to be starting one of them games or getting some time on the pitch especially Lithuania Um, and then we've got the games in we've got a lot of games in June at the moment Um, I know the Ukraine one we're not sure what's going on with it but yeah, um, yeah. That, that we have got games coming up, so um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops and and coming into the end of the season as well. I, I'll, I know I'll constantly go on about the June games, how poor now, but that'll be the end of the season. All those players who are on loan everywhere, their seasons finished with those clubs. It's going to be interesting where they are fitting in with um, Stephen Kenny's plans, um, and obviously how they're going to develop and where they're thinking of moving if they're going back to their parent club, for example, what their opportunity is to move. I mean, it's already happening now, isn't it? You're hearing speculation um, and the end of the March of where players are going and they're still contracted. Yeah. So that's just the world we live in now. Um, even like keeping Kelleher talk speculation about him, Bazunu. It's going to be a massive summer for us from that point of view of where our players are going to be playing next season um, because they're not they're not all playing out and out for their clubs. Yeah, interesting times ahead. I, I think overall domestically it's been it's been a better season compared to the last few, but I mean yeah, it always gets interesting at the business end, doesn't it? The different links and so on. Something we have to touch on, Martin, because I know that the this is something that I don't know how you feel about it, but I know that it's a bit of a bone of contention for you. So the FAI have brought out even more training gear. Um that looks like it was made by O'Carroll's, you know, the kind of Irish shop in town. What do you make of that? I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's a fucking awful looking thing, isn't it? But second of all, more gear. Like, Jesus, well, that, it's a bit, it. of over, a bit of overkill at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'd seen it. Um, I thought it was basically, when I first saw it, to be honest, I, I thought it was some kind of joke. Kind yeah, of. like a wind up. Yeah, wind-up thing for St. Patrick's Day, as in this is a ridiculous outfit you could wear for St. Patrick's Day. Um, but it's not. No, it's actually part of the training gear. Now, I know Man United bring out some absolutely awful stuff, um, which, you know, 
let's remember when Man United brought out that the black and white zebra kind of kit. Yeah. They cleverly marketed it that they put David Beckham in it, <laughs> and yeah. then it sold millions and it it looked great on him. Um, this stuff though is just yeah, it's a bit hideous, isn't it? It's 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 like something that was made for America, basically American Irish kind of market. Um, is is my view on it? It's um. Yeah, I mean, I know some people have an opinion on it, and maybe for younger people, they'll wear it. Um, and it is a training top at the end of the day. But yeah, it's another, yeah. it's just another release of something. And, you know, we'll have another shirt out soon, I'm sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, you, you, I know we've kind of touched on this briefly. And I know, like, um, I've kind of said it to yourself and David kind of off air. But I mean, we're getting into an era where clubs are moving towards sustainability. Um, because they want to they want to help the environment and they want to do their bit for the environment. So, you know, you have pressure. I don't know about you, Martin, obviously with Keen and and obviously jerseys and your parents who may feel under pressure to buy all the new gear, all the new kit, and, and it's coming out every year. Because I remember when, when I was growing up, and I'm probably the same as you, Martin, it was the same kit for two seasons and then it, it would have yeah. changed. Unless there was a sponsor change or whatever, it, it would have been the same, the same kit for two years. And now you have it where you know you have parents and and even people who just like the gear they they're they it's almost too much and then also the sustainability thing it's it's producing more um clothing so you're using more water you're using more resources you are um you know you're essentially harming the environment and i know like i it's probably because i support bows and people probably think i'm some kind of environmental hipster but the fai in my opinion now and maybe I'm off the mark say, saying this, but we've spoken about their detachment from fans and their detachment from the wider public. I just think this is another example of how detached they are. You know, when different clubs are moving towards that direction where, where they are, I think it was Brentford were one of the first to kind of announce that they're going to keep two. And then all of a sudden, not only do you have a New Jersey every year for the international team, you've got, you know, training gear, you've got retro gear, you've got centenary jerseys. There's something brought out all the time. And as I said, environmentally, that is not good. And also the pressure puts on parents. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm gripping at straws here by saying that, but I don't think it sends out the right message at all. Uh, no, I think you're right completely on that. Now, I am saying that though quite hypocritically, to be honest, because when they bring out a shirt, I love collecting them and Kian wants them and my justification for getting all the shirts and kit and all that rubbish is that he lives in it basically that's his his wardrobe he gets a lot of wear out of it in use and so that that does happen and that's my judgment that's my thought on it um you know my you know that's what i do um no one's forced me to buy it but i, I make yeah. that choice but i do think it's over the top as well and and i think i think it's not I think people will probably hammer the FAR on it, but I don't think it is that. It's that deal with the distribution is, is what this is about. Um, you know, I could talk all day on this, as you know. Like I, I do collect a lot of the kind of sports memorabilia of Irish football memorabilia shirts and stuff. Um, the blue shirt, I got it. I got the orange one. I was talking about it the other day with someone, actually, and they were saying that that Irish shirt, the fact that we've done very well in Luxembourg and got a result, yeah. um, that's made that an iconic and popular shirt now you couldn't get it after the game it's sold out so it, it's very results driven a little bit even with the the shirts because people see oh wow that was brilliant and my still my still my thoughts on that though are i think it's still outrageous that and i know this is 
mad when we're criticizing um, we're criticizing the the mass production and then bringing out something every other week it seems but um you still can't get a player's name on a shirt for a kid and stuff and I, I think that's where they do lose out on on the benefits of having that creating a kind of generation of heroes and making people fall in love with it i i, I will i was gonna say i'm not a betting man but i am um <laughs> the in, in the next couple of weeks we've got a centenary game i guarantee there'll be something brought out for that there, there mm. will be i mean it's a stupid it's a most obvious marketing kind of thing for that game there'll be things online the hundred centenary game i'm sure there'll be a limited edition shell something will happen with it um yeah and, and that that's what they seem to do but i think that's from the distributors and i, I don't know if that's uh, if it was the fai getting the benefit of it i kind of wouldn't have a problem with it because they're not forcing you to buy it but i just yeah. think it's such mass manufactured and again my criticism of the launch is if you're going to do it do it properly they, they don't get this right uh in the marketing thing of it i think they should it, they've they've got to get it right with um the future kind of strategy of the fai so and be in line with that so if the fai are saying they want to be sustainable and green and things like that going forward Pardon they've got the to have that they've got to have that yeah they've got to have that relationship well agreed with their distributors so it's not seen as i think we're very much an afterthought sometimes i think they just throw out some top like this is it just seems like it's an afterthought are we going to throw out this it's out of control martin yeah. like it's it's I've, I've never seen anything like it and i don't know if it's like i don't know if it's a midlife crisis thing for a certain designer <laughs> it is. but it's it's outrageous like it's just it's every couple of weeks and you know the this the self-praise i mean look we've spoken about yeah, yeah that kind of stuff but the self-praise and and all that kind of stuff is is outrageous but i mean like the I saw that the centenary jersey was up for a jersey of the year. But I only took a little glance through some of the other um the other jerseys in contention. And the Japanese jersey, they I think they had either a centenary or some kind of special edition jersey. It's just the exact same. Like, I mean, it's it's not like any of these are brand new concepts. I mean, this, you know, um tacky looking Paddy's Day training kit or whatever that that's after being brought out it just looks like it, do you know what it reminds me of it's like the do you remember the stad francais jerseys years ago the ruby jerseys they were yeah. just all, they were kind of like flowery shirts and kind of hawaiian shirt looking kind of things it it it's nothing it's nothing original and it's a bit of overkill like it's 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 i it's don't just, know maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm getting too carried away with it maybe i've been oversensitive about it but i i just as i said the sustainability side of it I suppose just because that's something that's important to me personally, not never mind football. But I mean, it was great to see clubs doing that and them not following suit. And then all of a sudden, as I said, every couple of weeks there's gear brought out, and now the retro gear. You know, like I love, I love retro jerseys. I have a I have a collection of of retro Ireland jerseys, and and I love that gear. And I did buy a few of the stuff, but then they brought out more retro stuff. Like they brought out a like the I got like a couple of the green bits, and then. Like literally six months later, they brought out all the white stuff. So it's yeah, but, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. What you're talking about with that though, that if you like, if you're into your kits, any of our listeners into your kits and sports memorabilia, and I know a lot of this is quite collectible, and people like it's quite obviously fashionistas and stuff like that, right? People love all that kind of stuff and nostalgia. But if you look at that Umbro uh, range, they brought out the retro, the, the nostalgic kind of stuff. It was all set around 1990 and stuff, but that's basically England's tracksuits. That's what it was. England had a tracksuit at that time. And it, it wasn't original. Iconic. 
There's nothing original yeah. about these designs. Yeah, it's, it was all that Umbro. It, it's actually Umbro England is 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 what that was brought out, um, and that's what they brought out as if as if this is what we would have had then in 1990 if we'd have been sponsored by Umbro and stuff. So yeah, it just just weird. It, it's just it's like someone opened up a vault somewhere, like from 30, 30 odd years ago, and went, "All right, this is what we had made then, and let's try trying to sell it now." I, I think there's just no. I think look. Where I kind of have mixed feelings on this is is the FAI skin need money. Now, the FAI don't hawk this everywhere. It's it's Elvery's, which again is another issue that you can only get it from Elvery's. Umbro Island, yeah. that's because of the deal they've done. I wouldn't mind it as much if you'd understand it. If, if the FAI were pushing all their shirts and all their gear because they were getting a certain amount of money out of it, but they yeah. don't. They don't get well, anything. Well, out. Well, well, here's the thing, Martin, as well. And now this this is something that um I'm pretty sure Jonathan Courtney confirmed this about ten years ago um in an interview. Now I, if if I'm off the mark, I do apologize, but I'm pretty sure he confirmed that one of the reasons why Ireland used to have a sponsor on the on the jersey. Now this wasn't Jonathan Courtney's call, I don't think it was the, the FAI's, but apparently all the pro all the sponsor proceeds that they got by having that advertising on their jerseys even though it was very unpopular it all went to grassroots football in, in ireland yeah so that's gone now so I, I know people are delighted not to have the sponsor and i mean like if you look at say the england gear years ago um i can't remember was it nat west or halifax yeah, or something yeah. like nationwide. I, nationwide yeah nationwide so you had like the the option of the the sponsor or not the sponsor or else you had the the sponsor on the training gear yeah like a lot of clubs uh even even look at our club manchester united and, and, a, and a lot of yeah. premier league clubs the, the sponsor is on everything i suppose for that but there's about 10 sponsors on the training gear isn't there as opposed to the one so you know i suppose we don't have a sponsor it's not an no, issue, the problem but, is that's that's, yeah. the, that's the problem of it and, and i wouldn't have a problem with that like that that's what the marketing department have to do now like the fai don't push a lot of their stuff because they don't get any money out of it at the moment because there's this deal they have so they've got to try and unravel that to make sure that they're getting money out of all these things going forward they, they've got to wake up to that because it's massive profit in it like england stuff yeah. you think about world cups it sells really well whereas and i know that happens in ireland but what happens in ireland is you get done stores bringing out pajamas because the fai logo is not really copyrighted so they're gonna have a new logo out so we're gonna we've They've got to get this marketing strategy right, the commercialism of football. Let's just be honest, that is needed to get the, the game to thrive. We need money. You don't have to buy the stuff. But if you you should have a choice, but you should be able to get stuff. You should be able to get everything with an island badge on, the new yeah. island badge on, eventually. It's up to you if you want to buy it or not. What happens at the moment now, the FAI can't push anything with their badge on because no one wants to be associated with their football at the yeah. moment. That's what they need to get right as well, that branding going forward. Um now, nostalgia does sell. We know that. That's what they've taken advantage over with Umbro Island or Jacko Sports or whatever it is because they're, they brought out all that range. But the FAI aren't really getting a lot of money out of that. Um, no, no, and they, no, and we that. should have a training. like we, you, The training stuff should be, in my view, it should be covered in sponsors on the sleeves and stuff. If you don't like that, you don't buy it. But if you really you bring out a really clever kind of design then with an island badge on it and you go, this is the training top that... Gavin Bazzuni is wearing today and training. You launch that really well. People copy it and buy it. They want to buy that. You don't have to yeah. buy it. But then keep our shirt sacred, I think, has got to be without the sponsors. That's the deal they've got to sign. That, that's the thing. 
they've got yeah. to be so clever with it. But and it's not a hard job. But they're not. But they're not clever. They're not, and they're not have. This is where my really have a problem with the the advertising and stuff. Like you could go on Elvery's now and look at Ireland stuff, and there could be a whole new range there. And it's not even been launched properly. Like we don't launch it the right way either in the season. No. You know we've got a World Cup coming over and up at the end of this year. If they're bringing out a new shirt, we want to have that out before Spain's World Cup one, Argentina's World Cup yeah. one. We want to have do, them out. Do, because do you think an, want do, Argentina do you think, ones? Do you think an issue with that, Martin, is the profile of our players? Because I mean, we don't have a Robbie Keane or a Damien Duff or a Roy Keane. Like I know, I know we should be pushing the likes of Gavin Bizzunu and, and Josh Cullen because they're very talented players, and Callum Robinson, and, and and we should be trying to inspire young fans to to look up to these guys. But essentially. Like any any young player, or even any even people my age, like they, it's it's all about your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, your Mbappe's. It's yeah. it's 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 a profile thing as well. And I mean, I know like we have some potential superstars, but at the moment we don't have any superstars. And and that is you know that's where marketing deals come. They're the players that get marketing deals. That, and they're the players who sell shirts. Yeah, that is valid. But at the moment you can't buy it. And any even if we had a player come along and he scored like the millionth goal in football's history they should be celebrating that for example and you should be able to buy that shirt like Kelleher the other day won the cup final now you've got kids watching that he's an Irish player he's just won the cup final he scored the winning penalty you might never have watched football before but you're living in Ireland a kid and he might now support Liverpool because of that yeah for sure and he won't be able to go and get if I was his dad I'd be going right you don't want to support them (laughs) but but if you're responsible by the way do you want to get, I'll get you the Ireland shirt with his name on the back. Okay, yeah. that's great, Dad. Can you do that? No, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? That's what's wrong with it. That, that, yeah. that for me is what is, is fundamentally wrong with their launch and stuff. You know, even you, you can do, they're just short-sighted with stuff, I think. Even the fact that we could jump on the back of that, like raising our profiles. I know this sounds really weird that we're chatting about it and I'm not, I'm kind of, kind of being commercial marketing here and saying, right, we we should be targeting parents to buy a Kelleher shirt, for example. Yeah. But I don't see anything wrong with it. They're not being forced to buy it. I think it's that's what creates a generation of heroes and gets kids interested in the game. That's my viewpoint yeah. of it. And I know it... I'd be a very small percentage of people doing that, but th- they could jump on the back of that and they could say, oh, oh look, our, our number one goalkeeper. No, no, there's an argument over number one. But you could say, our goalkeeper's just won the cup final, everyone. He's the first uh, Ireland goalkeeper to win this on the pitch or whatever in years or whatever it is. And we're going to do 20% off Kelleher shirts for the next 48 hours. Yeah. Imagine what they sell. They, they they would sell something. I know that probably clever people will come back now and go, actually, they wouldn't sell anything, Martin. But I think it's an effort to do it. That That's my view with it. You know, yeah. Man United do it really well. Now, we know they're a global machine and they've got loads and loads of fans. But that that that's my criticism of this. Um, that they should they've got to wake up to that, but then haven't got the infrastructure right on getting that right commercially. I don't know. Yeah, but they, yeah, they bring out about twenty kits. But they're bringing out this though. That's what I'm saying. And then the launch of it's just silly. Yeah. Like it's um, embarrassing. Just, you didn't really know. Like, is this a hoax or what is it? Or is it just someone's mocked it up? You don't know when people say, "Oh, the new kit's coming out." Here's the one I designed. I genuinely thought it was that. Yeah, and then. Someone actually sent it to me and went, oh, I actually like it. And I went, oh, okay. okay. Um, they must let be me know when you're wearing it. I won't walk down the street with you. But, um, you know, it's, it's just that. So it's a weird one. But 
you know, I'm sure they'll take advantage of this centenary thing coming up. Like, you know, the FAI as well, just not to go off on tangent, even with the match programmes, remember in some of the games when they had three different covers recently? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, again, that, that I, I was a bit uncomfortable with that. But again, do that as part of a charity thing if you want. You know, some, you don't have to buy it. But I do it that some of the proceeds go to charity. There's so many things they can do right, and I just don't think they ever get it right. Yeah, very, um, this, very amateurish. Yeah. They, well, we know that, but they, yeah. there's just so many things I think they need to. Like they, they, I know they've got no money, so they can't invest in things to do it. Um, you know, we should have still have the end of year, um, you know, review the annual. We should have that. Um, we don't have yeah. that anymore. We should have a calendar every year. It's not hard to do. Like I'm, for, I know we joke and make take the piss sometimes out of some of their uh, social media outputs and stuff and spelling mistakes and things like that but yeah. there's some really good guys actually working in there and they've got some great photos and stuff and they could easily be on a calendar or a poster and you know again they don't get this right from in the match program another thing i would say right i know this has gone really weird tonight hasn't it um <laughs> but you should have a there should be a pull-out poster in that yeah. so that kid can go home from his first island game keep that program quite treasured and, but oh, there's a poster of Gavin Bazzini. It's just going straight on my wall. Yeah. That's it. It's not hard to do. That's how you raise the profile. That's how you yeah, raise the profile. That's it. Yeah. So just to wrap up, and uh, a bit of sad news to bring everyone. So Frank O'Farrell, um, the former Manchester United manager, uh, passed away today. So 94 years of age. Very, very good innings, to be fair. But very sad news all the same. So he was born in Cork. He played for Cork United. West Ham United, Preston North End and Weymouth. He was actually the oldest living West Ham player until today. Uh, nine caps for Ireland, two goals, and then his management career. So Weymouth, Torquay United, Leicester City, Manchester United, Cardiff City, Iran, Torquay United for a second spell, and Al Shab in um I think it's in the UAE, and then a third spell with Torquay United. I think he I think he actually settled and stayed in Torquay. So very sad news. The only Irishman to manage Manchester United. Um, Martin, you must have been around when he was managing there, uh, 1950, uh, <laughs> 1971, actually. But um, what, what did you know about Franco Farrell? I mean, I, I just know random bits and pieces of, about him. Um, but uh, but what, what would you have known, I suppose, as, as someone who's big into the Manchester United archives? I um, no, Whispering Frank, basically, is how he was known at Man United. So he, he got the job... Um, He's kind of announced as like the first manager who took over after Sir Matt Busby retired. Yeah. Um, but in fact, it was Wilf McGuinness who yeah. was upgraded as a as a kind of from a coach. Um, and again, called Wilf McGuinness, he he had a the strangest career ever. He was actually a coach with England during the 1966 World Cup. Wilf McGuinness, really well respected coach. And then he got the Man United job because he'd come through as uh, like around the time of the Busby Babes actually. So it didn't work out for him taking on the, the unenviable task of following on from Samat Busby. And then Franco Farrell got the job. And he'd done a great job, to be fair, with, uh, I think he'd been at Leicester and stuff. So it was a bit of a weird, um, it just didn't work out for him. You know, he had a lot of, he was very, very quietly spoken. And he didn't have a very dominating personality. Um, and the, the press kind of jumped on that. And I think you had a lot of other factors there, obviously. This is who really wanted to follow the success of Samat Busby. You had George Best pissing around as well, to be honest. Bobby Charlton was kind of going on his way out of there. It's really well covered this in the excellent um, Too Good to Go Down, um, it, which is a by Wayne Barton. 
and it's all about Man United when they got relegated. And um, so this is Franco Farrell's kind of period as well, that it started going yeah. wrong at Man United. There's too many parallels to where we are at the moment, to be honest. Yes, not good, um, not good. Sadly. But um, yeah, it, he, it just didn't work out for him and, and, and United eventually did get relegated. Um, and yeah, but but he had a fantastic reputation. Like he was the most high profile, kind of the one, he was the first choice manager, you know, to, for Man United to bring in at that time. And that was the kind of, the draw Man United had. They had the choice of anyone at that time. So um, it just didn't work out for him at that. But yeah, interesting. He was an Irishman and, and, and he had that job and, Probably a lot of fans would have, you know, been attracted to that from Ireland to to follow Man United as well because an Irish man is is at the most high profile job in world football. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just obviously sad news today. Um, and he and he did play during the late fifties in he for Ireland, I think capped nine times, something like that. So yeah, two goals. Um, yeah. It's a it's a really weird one. He uh, he was quite um, forward thinking, I think, as well with his his football at the time. So yeah, sad news. Yeah, very sad news. Ninety-four years of age, though. You know, great sure innings, we, yeah. very great innings. You know, we should. We're, we're, and I was only looking them up last week because we're doing our our gaffer series, and um, I was just doing a little bit of research because you know we were, we were thinking of doing doing Frank as a as a bonus kind of episode, and and I couldn't believe he was still alive, um, because I sometimes I mix them up. Who was the guy who managed Barcelona? The another Irishman, uh, O'Connell, Patrick O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah, yeah, Patrick O'Connell. Like I was kind of mixing the two of them up. So I, I, because isn't he? Buried in an unmarked grave, O'Connell, isn't he? He, he um, was. He's. Uh, I think it's Kensal Rise in London, actually. Yeah, so where he yeah. is. Because so, um... I was mi- I was mixing them up, and I was, I, I thought O'Farrell had actually passed, but um, but but it's it's mad how I was only looking up, up last week, and he actually passed today. So very very sad news, but um, you know, I'm sure very a very long and um successful and happy life for Frank O'Farrell. So we're going to leave it there. Uh, we are going to be back on Wednesday with the gaffer series part two and that is joking air wimbledon and the crazy gang so um anything to add let us know we probably missed a few updates as i said apologies martin and i are very sick that's why the energy was bad send <laughs> your hate tweets. wasn't bad when we started ranting about <laughs> sorry giving it about kids but um yeah send your hate tweets to david dunn or lance i think that's that's really really key so we'll leave it there take care and god bless <laughs>